When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And we are back along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. And we are back in our brand new Unsportsmanlike studios. Thank you to Megan and Mike and everybody involved with this We're back. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, and let me put out this public service announcement. After today, I will no longer be saying Happy New Year. Whether I've seen (laughs) you in 2024 or not, it's over with. You have three days to wish somebody Happy New Year. It's New Year's Eve, it is New Year's Day, and it is January 2nd. After that, it is over. If I see you, it's understood that we're in 2024 and not 2023. Ergo, I don't have to say Happy New Year again. So public service announcement to everybody. I'm not going to be wishing anybody a Happy New Year after today. And that doesn't mean that we have beef. That just means that I understood something that doesn't have to be said. So what if someone says Happy New Year to you, CC, on like January 10th? Do you just ignore it? Yeah, I just blow right through it. I just blow right through it. I treat it like a yellow stoplight. Like, it's just blow right through it. I'm not, not even paying attention. We're on to the next thing. I agree. Done. I agree. You, you, yeah. you guys, what are you talking about? If someone extends a Happy New Year to you, if they haven't seen you in a while, and it's January 15th or the 20th, come on, you got to receive it. It's still early in the year. I think, I mean, I know I just said Happy New Year. I get that <laughs> I, I'm the one who brought it up, but I'm not a big believer in, like, because it's a day that we have to do things differently. Like, oh, it's February 14th. I need to love my wife. I'm allowed to love her on the 13th and the 15th. I promise you that. Like, I don't need to do the happy new year. Like, okay, well, I want to be happy in new year in June too. Not just on January 1st and 2nd. Like, I'd like to be happy for the new year. Not happy new year. Right? Cece, isn't that, shouldn't we include a four in there? Happy for the new year. I'd like to be happy for the new year. That's what I'd like to be. No. I don't no, know. you're not. You're not wrong. But let me tell you who is wrong. The people that send out the gift as a mass text with the fireworks going off that says <laughs> Happy New Year. I'm not counting that as you wishing me a Happy New Year. I don't respond to mass text messages that you send out to everybody. If you don't include my name in the actual text, I'm going to take it as you not wishing me a Happy New Year as well. I'm pretty sure somebody did that on my family group chat. The fire. Of course they the did. Every, like everybody knows somebody that does it, Smalls. And I'm just trying to issue this public service announcement that we need to stop the madness. I'm not trying to start 2020 off, 2024 off as being a curmudgeon or, or having an axe to grind. I'm just saying some of the things that I picked up in my time off, some of the little pet peeves, the things that are annoying, I feel the need to point them out. And this is one of them. I'm on board. You know, I- We've worked together, what, four months now? And I'm learning a lot about you guys. And I am learning specifically about Cece. He doesn't like the group messaging. He doesn't like the happy Thanksgiving text from everybody. No. He doesn't like the happy New Year fireworks. I'm with him. He, he's got very specific rules about the holiday text, which I appreciate you laying those boundaries out. 
Yeah, because I don't want to be inundated with mass text messages that I feel compelled to respond to. I don't want to spend my time off during the holidays responding to mass text messages that are hella generic. I just don't want to do it. And so this is this public service announcement is in part self-serving because I don't want to deal with the nonsense that people have to put out there as something that's perfunctory or something that they feel obligated to do. Don't feel obligated to send me the mass holiday greeting and I won't feel obligated to respond to it. It's a win-win situation. Let's shake hands and agree on it. <laughs> Can't wait till tomorrow when people call in the show and oh wish CC a happy new year. Oh my god. All right. Well, he's giving a public service announcement, so allow me to reintroduce myself. Uh, no? That was, I thought that was good. I thought that was good. No? We no. are back. We okay. are all the way back. We are all the way back, Smalls. Cheesy Jay-Z references? Come we on We are now. back. We made it four minutes without Ab doing something corny, and now we're back. We are back. Oh, in the new year. It's your boy. All right, Michigan, Washington. That's a national. What's the H hat behind me, by the way? The what? There's an H hat behind me. What is that? Do we know what the H hat is behind me? It's probably Hampton, Ev, my wife's alma mater. Oh, nice. Well done. So you're, I'm sure that's where she wants it. Right behind me is where she wants that hat. Right behind me. That number two, by the way, if you're watching on ESPN2, that is actually my high school football jersey. They asked me to bring it in. I didn't realize, nice. I didn't realize they were actually going to frame it above me. I gave it to the team here, and they're like, okay, so all right, whatever you want to do, which is awesome. All right, anyway, Michigan-Alabama uh, last night, the first game of the two college football playoff games. You saw on ESPN, heard on ESPN Radio, 27-20, Michigan wins in overtime. And sure, there's a lot leading up to this, but let's just get right to it. Final play of the game, fourth and goal, three-yard line in overtime. Alabama down seven, runs a quarterback draw with Jalen Milrow. And they are stopped right up the middle. Quarterback power, quarterback draw, however you want to look at it. Was it the right play, Smalls? Obviously it wasn't, Evan, because they lost the game. I was very surprised by the play call just because, well, A, I didn't think that it was creative right there, but also because this is the best defense in the country. So I was just really surprised with all that time uh, for them to figure it out. I think they had five minutes to to come up with a play because of the injury time that they that was the play that they had. Obviously not the right call because Michigan ends up winning the game. CC, right call or wrong call? Uh, I thought it was the right call to have Jalen Milrow with the ball in his hands. I just didn't understand why it was a straight draw play and not a run-pass option. To me, you want to give yourselves as many chances to be able to get into the end zone. And if you put pressure on the defense by having a one-pass option, a run-pass option, if it ends up being a, a, a sprint out or something of that nature, a zone read, I, I just thought that presented a better opportunity for them to have a chance to capitalize and tie the game up. But the fact that it was a draw play, I just – I don't think you gave your quarterback very many options. He put his head down to try to power through that. And I understand why, based on what he was able to do with his legs on quarterback runs in the second half. I just didn't think under those circumstances you wanted to limit it to just a draw play, just a straight run play without having a pass option, knowing that the defense was stacked up there, right there inside of the five-yard line. Let's hear what Nick Saban, head coach Alabama, losing coach last night, had to say about that final play call. We called timeout because we had a bad look. We had a good look on the first one. Uh, They must have known it. But Tommy just felt like the best thing that we could do was have a quarterback run, uh, which was kind of our two-point play, one of our two-point plays for this game. And the ball was on the three-yard line, which is just like a two-point play. So, But we didn't get it blocked, so it didn't work. We didn't execute it very well, and it didn't work. And they pressured, and we thought they would pressure Uh, But we thought we could gap them and block block them and 
make it work, and it did. Yeah, and and obviously Saban talking about that play, and it was their third play call because the first time Michigan calls a timeout, then Alabama calls a timeout, then that's their play call. I to CC, I totally agree. You have to put the ball in Milrow's hands in that spot. I I, told, I I said the same thing. I don't understand why there's no run pass option, especially when they had more guys in the defensive line than you had on the offensive line. Like there were more people up front, so there was no misdirection. They're just coming straight at you in that spot. And Alabama loses no SEC team in the NCAA final here with Michigan advancing. We'll get to the Washington advancement over Texas in just a couple of minutes. But this was a weird game because special teams mattered. That was Alabama's best thing was on specials, obviously. And Michigan did a tremendous job defensively up front, had five sacks in the first half. The Alabama center couldn't snap the ball. It was a very weird game, Smalls, in that regard that the Michigan defense, J.J. McCarthy, when he needed to late, Blake Corum was great. But their special teams was awful in this game. Yeah, I, th- I believe they said it on the broadcast that it felt like all the easy things were difficult last night for them. Mm. And that Michigan defense obviously tops in the country, but they kept them in the game last night. Six sacks, five in the first half. They held Alabama to its season low in yards and total offense, which was 288. So obviously the defense for Michigan, a huge factor in this game. Yeah, and there was no doubt about it, but I thought the defense actually let Alabama's offense off the hook in the second half because they didn't blitz as much. I mean, the five sacks that we're talking about in the game, they all happened in the first half. Now, when Michigan blitzed, you're talking about nine pressures in five sacks, and then they blitzed 17 times. I thought that was the focus. That should have been the focus throughout the game, but they let Jalen Milrow and that Alabama offense find a rhythm a little bit in the second half. And that's what made the game closer than it probably should have been. But I'll give credit where credit is due. I thought Michigan made the requisite plays when they had to, obviously. But Blake Corum down the stretch was absolutely phenomenal. On the last drive in the fourth quarter, you're talking about him getting that drive started with the 30-yard catch and run. It probably would have went for more had there not been a Roman Wilson block in the back. But that ends up being a game-tying score. And then overtime, the dude calls game blouses when he takes two runs and essentially puts the ball in the end zone and, and puts Michigan on top. So I just thought it was phenomenal what we saw from Blake Corum, and that's what you want from your veteran leadership in big moments like this. That's when experience at key positions wins out, and I thought that was the biggest difference between what we saw from Alabama and Michigan down the stretch in that game. So credit to the veterans in that Michigan locker room, and also credit to Jim Harbaugh and the offensive play callers. Uh, and Jim Harbaugh, obviously, his future is a conversation. He's going to play in that, or he's going to coach in a national championship for the first time, first college football playoff win after the game. Remember, he hired a new agent, Don Yee, who also represents Tom Brady and other NFL players. After the game, Harbaugh was asked about his future. Uh, there's a lot of interest in your future. I wonder if you can tell me what the chances are that the championship game might be your last one at Michigan. <laughs> My future consists of a happy flight back to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Can't wait. You know, he avoids every single question about his future. Holly Rowe was talking to him post-game. He went right to Blake Corum in that spot. So Harbaugh's future is certainly a question. He's been phenomenal with Michigan. NFL is calling. We're going to get to that, plus the second game, Washington over Texas, 37-31. We'll have the undefeated national championship between Michigan and Washington coming up next Monday. So we will get to Harbaugh, his future, how Washington won, all coming up. But first, CeCe has this from Granger. Ah, yes, for the ones who get it done. Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. 
Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike is presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. College football national championship is set next week. Michigan. Undefeated. They beat Alabama yesterday in overtime 27-20. And Washington beats Texas 37-31. Both games came down to the final play of the game. Michigan-Washington, two undefeated teams. No SEC teams in the national championship. But part of this national championship is the possibility that it could be Harbaugh's last game at Michigan for good reason. And that the NFL is going to come knocking on the door. So, as we look at this matchup, are we looking at it, CC, as potentially... The last dance for Harbaugh at Michigan. Uh, yeah, I think the game that they won yesterday puts Harbaugh closer to leaving Michigan um, and going to the NFL than actually staying because all of a sudden now the asking price for Jim Harbaugh goes up. Now he's got his team in the national championship. we already seen what he's done in the National Football League, taking the team to the Super Bowl. If he wins the national championship, then he's got a case to be the highest paid coach in the sport, whether we're talking about pro or college. And so I think when you look at the current landscape and what Michigan offered Jim Harbaugh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, what was it, uh, uh, 10 years, $125 million? That's $12.5 million a year. Right now, Sean Payton is making $18 million a year in Denver. If Jim Harbaugh finds a way to win the national championship over Washington, then you could see a world where Jim Harbaugh is making $20 million a year in the National Football League. God bless Michigan. I know they got deep pockets, but I don't think that they can pay like the NFL. So, yes, I think Jim advancing to the National Championship game puts him one step closer to the National Football League. I agree. And I think even if he loses the National Championship game, this might be the last game we see with Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines as the head coach of Michigan. We know the success that he's had in the NFL. We know what type of an asset he would be for an NFL team. And you don't hire somebody like Don Yee if this is not something that you're seriously considering or a step that you want to take. You mentioned his ties to Tom Brady, Sean Payton. He's deep within the NFL. So I think Jim Harbaugh is looking at a situation where he is firmly in the driver's seat, not only having the success that he's already had in the in the NFL going to a Super Bowl, the way that he works with quarterbacks, so many teams that need to bring in a new quarterback and jobs that are popping up that he would be a great fit for. It just seems like all signs are pointing to Jim Harbaugh going back to the NFL. And, and let's not get it twisted. If this is his last game, it better be a win. Like Michael Penix Jr. is awesome. 
but you just beat Alabama. Like, you can't then beat Alabama, be undefeated all year. You beat Ohio State. You beat Alabama. You get suspended twice during the course of this season. You have people that are going to say a title is tainted. You better get that title. You can't do all of this and then lose in that game to Washington, which in by no way, shape, or form am I saying is going to be an easy game. It is going to be very difficult. Michael Penix Jr. is freaking awesome. Like, that dude showed out yesterday, and he looks like a first-round pick, maybe a high first-round pick based on what we saw, but you better win. Like, you can't end this all with Michigan with everything that's happened this year with the loss. This all has to end on Monday night with a national championship for Michigan. Now, we mentioned Penix Jr. They win. Washington beats Texas 37-31. Uh, they were tied at the half at 21 apiece. Washington took a 34-21 lead in the fourth quarter. Texas comes all the way back. It ends on a final play where Texas, down 37-31, CC has a chance to win it, and it's a fourth and 11 with 13 seconds to go. And Excuse me, with one second to go on the Washington 13-yard line, and obviously an incompletion to end it. Washington advances to the national championship by beating Texas yesterday. Yeah, that was a great play by Johnson on Adonai Mitchell, too, right there, the pass breakup. Absolutely phenomenal. But, yeah, Michael Penix Jr., is why we should all love the transfer portal. Because Washington is not in this situation without him being able to transform that program. All respect to Kalen DeBoer, their head coach. He's done a phenomenal job. And Roma Dunze is one of the best receivers in all of college football. And Jalen Polk will be a first-round pick if and when he comes out in the NFL draft. But Michael Penix Jr. is the one that's transferred that program, transformed that program. And by him transferring from Indiana, it, it laid the groundwork for this team to be in the position that they're in right now. And so I think that's what's what's making college football unique. And and it almost has an NBA summer feel to it when we start talking about the windows that open up for the transfer portal. So, yeah, it was exciting to see that dude ball last night. Outside of the missed throw to Devin Culp for a touchdown, I don't know that I saw Michael Penix Jr. actually miss any throws in last night's game. I mean, and he followed up the miss with the touchdown throw to Jalen Polk that was an absolute dime. So, I mean, I just – like, this dude is playing at a really, really high level, and I think he's shown on the highest stage that the game has to offer in some of the biggest moments that we've seen in all of college football throughout this season that this dude can deliver. Like, Michael Penix Jr. is absolutely phenomenal, and I'm glad that he's in this position. Uh, so am I. And this one felt personal, not only for him, but for his teammates. And, and listening to what they had to say after the game, he kind of dismissed the, oh, I don't really care about not winning the Heisman. I'm, I'm done with that. We're turning the page. I have a national championship to win. But hearing his teammates talk about it, they felt a type of way about Michael Penix Jr. not winning the Heisman Trophy. They said, we're undefeated, but that felt like a loss for us. And for him to go out there and have the performance that he did last night, guys, you saw it with the deep ball accuracy, some really important first downs, him using his legs. He's just a really, really special player, and I'm really excited that Washington advanced to play Michigan and the national title game. It feels like this is going to be one of those great matchups that we remember forever. So it's interesting you say that because if you think about what's gone on in the college football playoff world since we've had it, there's always been blowouts, right? College football semifinals, finals. I don't know that this is setting up for a blowout. I just know that it would be very rare to see three very close games. Like, I don't think Michigan-Alabama, for me, was a great game. I think Michigan-Alabama was a close game. There was It was clunky at times. There were a lot of mistakes, botched snaps, muff punts, the whole deal. I think it was a close game. I don't know that it was a great game, but, it, 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 but I understand why somebody would say it was a great game. We haven't seen, CC, to my knowledge, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, I don't think we've seen three great games in any of these college football playoffs, have we? 
I don't know that we have. Right? I, like, I, I it don't. feels like they're I, all kind of stinkers historically. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that we have. And so I guess it, it, it kind of it kind of gives the air of making the committee look like they did the right thing in terms yeah. of how they ordered the teams. And then, of course, with Georgia blasting Florida State a couple of days ago, I mean, it just only adds more credibility to the final four that the committee had in the actual playoff. But, yeah, having the top two teams, being able to do that, and having both games in the semifinals come down to the last play, I think that's that's a that's a feather in the committee's cap. But I will say this. I just think that we've got to this point, and I feel confident that we have the two best teams in the playoffs in college football. And I don't know the last time that I was able to actually say that. So this is actually actually pretty cool to see that in the national championship game. We have the, the teams that not only have the best resumes, but two teams that look like they're playing the best football of anybody in the college football landscape. Does Michigan really feel that much better to you than Washington for you to come to that conclusion that it might be a blowout? Are you just going on history? I'm going on history, and I'm not saying that they're that much better. I think that, like, Washington is playing with house money at this point. Like, they're in the national championship. It's amazing that they're there. Not as amazing as last year with TCU. Like, I think we're all still stunned, and I don't know that they should have been there based on the result, obviously. But, like, all the pressure's on Michigan. Michigan has to win the national championship. I don't think Washington has to win the national championship. Michael Penix has already proven he is a big-time quarterback. This is all, to me, guys, on Michigan on Monday. We got to stop saying that about Washington, oh, man. Like, when, when are they going to do enough to get their respect? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they were underdogs to Oregon not once but twice. They end up being underdogs last night to Texas. Like, at some point, we just got to acknowledge Washington belongs. They are a damn good football team with a damn good quarterback. I mean, I just I, – I, I stopped short of wanting to dismiss this thing and saying that it should be a blowout. Like, Washington absolutely belongs on the field with Michigan – and to me, it's a coin flip in terms of which team is going to come out the national champion. I think these two teams are going to be that evenly matched, that closely contested. You can be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call line. Give us a call at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season. Without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the ones fans deserve. You guys can weigh in. Did you have an issue with the Alabama final play call? We've been discussing that, obviously. And do you think that this could be Harbaugh's final game? And you think Washington could win this thing based on what you saw yesterday and what you've seen all season, as CC mentioned, the underdog twice to Oregon, the underdog at Texas, and they win all of them. They're undefeated as a Pac-12 school. Do you think they could win this thing? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We'll get your phone calls in on that. Plus, there's a lot of conversation about the transfer portal. Michael Penix Jr. coming over from Indiana, and CC has his power rankings all coming up. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Now that the dust is settled on week 17, it's time for Canty's NFL Power Rankings. Hello, I'm Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you here on Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. CC gives us his top five power rankings, NFL, every single week. And then we will get into your college football playoff calls. Michigan, Washington, National Championship. CC, what do you got for us? All right, let's kick this thing off, Javante. Number five. New year, new me. That means I'm turning over a new leaf when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. They are fifth in our my power rankings. Listen, they won the game that they probably shouldn't have against the Detroit Lions on Saturday. Dan Campbell, it's clear that he's not trying to kick it. I know a lot of people are using that as a meme or a gift for a lot of other different things, but it's a situation where three plays – you probably shouldn't have gone for it after you didn't get it on the first try. But that being said, it looks like the Dallas Cowboys are going to be locked into the two seed in the NFC, and their prize for being that team is being able to take on the Los Angeles Rams, who have won six of their last seven games. So good luck with that, Dallas Cowboys. Even when you win a game on Saturday night that you probably shouldn't have been, it almost feels like a loss because of who you're going to have to play in the wild card round of the postseason. Next. Number four. The Buffalo Bills, clearly they've gotten a memo that less Josh Allen is more. He had, what, uh, I think it was 30 pass attempts in the game on Sunday. Overall, 66 pass attempts in his last three games. So they're trying to limit the opportunities that Josh Allen has to make, make mistakes in the game. And what do you know? They're actually winning games. It's ugly. It's not pretty. But they're in a situation in Week 18 that nobody – couple of months ago thought they could be in which is competing for the AFC East title if they win they win the division if they beat the Miami Dolphins so that's a uh, kudos to the Buffalo Bills for being able to fight back and be in this position next number three the Cleveland Browns again it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback but but Joe Flacco is playing out of his mind. I mean, listen, uh, I saw Dan Orlovsky put it out there on Twitter. Has anybody seen Joe Flacco and Nick Foles in the same room? (laughs) I mean, because it might be a situation where he's channeling his inner Foles and being able to go on another deep playoff run. This is what happened in 2012 for the Baltimore Ravens, and you're starting to feel shades of that with the Cleveland Browns now. Like, this is a team that, that, that nobody wants to play, including the team that's the number one seed in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens. That's how good that defense is, and that's how good Joe Flacco is playing. Number two. The San Francisco 49ers, they clinched the number one seed in the NFC. Doesn't matter what happens in their game in Week 18 against the L.A. Rams, and that's good for them because the Rams always give them all they want. But I'll say this, it's the team that I have the fewest amount of questions for in the NFC. It feels like it's the 49ers and then everybody else in that conference. And it feels like this is the situation. If Kyle Shanahan is ever going to get back to the big game, he's got to take advantage of a weak NFC field. And it feels like this is a tailor-made opportunity for him. Next. Number one. The Baltimore Ravens. I mean, after boat racing, the San Francisco 49ers on Christmas Day, they follow that up by beating the Miami Dolphins 
in, in impressive fashion. What was it? 56 to 19 beat the brakes off of the Dolphins. Really impressive to see them do that against another double digit win team. I think they've left no doubt that they are the class of the NFL, the class of the AFC. And so Lamar Jackson, it feels like he's going to walk away with his second MVP trophy after this season. It probably should be his second unanimous trophy, given uh, what we're seeing from the other MVP candidates. But it's clear to me that Lamar Jackson is a trailer. I mean, he's the tractor and he's not the trailer. He's the one that's pulling the team along. So those are the power rankings. The Baltimore Ravens, number one. San Francisco 49ers, number two. Cleveland Browns, three. Bills, four. Dallas Cowboys, five. Smalls, you're my accountability partner. Any objections, any omissions? I love the list, CC. It's great to be back in action with the power rankings. Uh, the only team and fan base that I could think of that might have a little bit of a beef, even though they don't look like the same version of themselves this season, is the Kansas City Chiefs. They have a victory this weekend over the Bengals. They they secure the AFC West title. Where are they for you? Uh, I would say the Kansas City Chiefs are probably on down a lot. I would have them probably sixth or seventh. I would put them behind, like right there with Detroit, mm. um, kind of in that territory. The Detroits, the Miami Dolphins, they would kind of be in that realm. I think we should also point out, because this is something that's interesting about the power rankings every week. This is, CC how you have them now, not how you're projecting them in the postseason, right? So Kansas City, theoretically, you could say, okay, I'm still going to pick them when push comes to shove with Mahomes. But what we've seen up Am I? Well, I didn't say that. that, that, that that's not what I said. <laughs> that is not what I said. Did you, did you? I mean, I know that you watch all of the games. But it was an absolute embarrassment looking at that receiving core. Oh, I know. They don't catch oh, yeah. the ball. MVS dropped another walk-in touchdown. How many times have we said that about MVS this season? Check that. How many times have we said that about this receiving core this season? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. They have 40 drop passes. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Like, I'm not – I can't trust – the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's not because I don't trust Mahomes or Andy Reid. I can't trust that when they do scheme it up and when Mahomes executes that the guys are going to catch the ball. I'll add one other thing on the uh, on the power rankings you said about Lamar with the MVP. Yeah. And this is a bigger conversation, but I'll, I'll throw this out there as a teaser maybe for later in the week. You win a second MVP, you're a Hall of Famer in my mind. Automatically. I don't care about your postseason success at that point. That may not mean you're the greatest quarterback of all time. You're not going to be compared to Brady or to Manning or to Rodgers or to Mahomes in our era here recently. Yeah. But if you win a second MVP, go look at the guys who have won two MVPs, right? Every single one of them is in the Hall of Fame. If Lamar Jackson wins a second MVP, you become a Hall of Famer. Mahomes, Young, Montana, Warner. All those guys have rings. Mm-hmm. He does not. But you win a second MVP, I think you should be heading to Canton. Bigger conversation to be had. Let's get back to the phone. Let's get to the phones here on the Dr. Pepper call in line at 888-SAY-ESPN on the college football playoff rankings. Steve in North Carolina, 99.9, the fan in Raleigh. What's up, Steve? Hey, what's up, fellas? What's up, hey, ladies? Uh, I, I kind of think Michigan is going to kind of run this table on uh, Washington. I just think Michigan is just a flat-out better team. As far as the two games, I thought the two games are pretty good. Uh, I don't. I, I know the CC brought up the Georgia and Florida State game. I, that that wasn't really no game. Not because of Florida State, just when nobody was there. Even Georgia coach said that. But I think Michigan is a better team. I just truly do, and I agree with you. I think they're going to actually beat them bad. 
Well, let me let me just say something. I never said that Michigan was going to blow them out. What I said was I'm worried that based on history, there's a blowout still to be had. I don't think anything that Michael Penix Jr. in Washington has done would indicate that this is going to be a blowout. And that was my point is that like this year could be different than other years. I do think Michigan should be the favorite, though. And there's way more pressure in my mind, at least on Michigan to win than there is on Washington. Lindsay in North Carolina listening on Sirius XM 80. What's up, Lindsay? Unfortunately, like, good morning and happy new year to the three of y'all. Welcome back in the building. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, what can you say? The four teams that, that they picked were the four teams. Florida State, all that rah-rah that they was talking. For them to have Georgia all going up in the student, the mascot in the student stand, cutting up after a 60-point beat there, the state of Florida should have disowned them when the clock hit triple zeros. And C.C., Thanks, man. Shout out to my Cowboys. Cowboy Nation, stand up. And one question to those Eagles fans. Uh, for all that junk y'all was giving us about us beat, about us losing to the Cardinals, how does your L taste? Y'all Ooh. have a great day. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. Invoking some so old... disrespectful, Pat Costello. Wow. Invoking wow. some old school Shaq and Kobe. Uh, how did that? Well, it was different, I guess, um, in what they said. But yeah, wow, interesting. You know, CC, we're bringing up the FSU thing. I think two things can be said. One, I don't think it's fair to judge FSU, the team that they had on the field against Georgia, as oh, that's what they would have done in the national championship semifinals. That said, full strength, Jordan Travis. You lost there. by sixty. I know. Well, that's what I'm <laughs> no, getting no, at. No, 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 I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> you lost by 60, bro. I, no, no. CC, this is what I'm saying. You got players putting together TikToks while the game is still going Live on. Streaming. Live streaming. Live streaming. Come on, man. My point is, Jordan Travis is there. What, are you going to lose by 40? Like, I'm that's saying a, that's that, my point, is that even if you yeah. say he's worth 20, like, let's say, let's give Jordan Travis that respect, the Florida State quarterback. Let's say he's worth 20, guys. They still lose by 40. What are we talking yeah. about here? That, that, game, that game wasn't going to be close, though. It, it wasn't going to be close. It wasn't going to be close. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I will say this. The committee got it right in terms of the final four teams, and I'm excited that we're going to get this matchup between Michigan and Washington. I will say this. For everybody that's saying that Michigan should win this game in one-sided fashion, Michigan has not played a quarterback like Michael Penix Jr. all season. They just haven't. And, and, and Rome Odunze is one of the best quarterback, one of the best receivers, if if not, he's a top two receiver in college football, and based on the season that he put together, he might not be number two. Like, that's how good that dude is. And not a lot of people in the country know about him because he plays on the West Coast. But that, that dude is phenomenal. I, I don't know that Michigan has seen an offense as explosive as Washington's offense. And so that's why I think it's going to be interesting to see the chess match, especially when Washington offense is on the field. I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I do, too. I think it's going to be a closely contested game. And, guys, this really couldn't have played out any better for the committee. You had two unbelievable matchups. Alabama obviously deserved to be in there. George is the team that should have the beef. But the fact that they beat Florida State so handily, I mean, the committee clearly got it right. For all of the hemming and hawing and all of the beef that everybody had with their selections, they did a good job. They got it right. I totally agree. But we're going to have a lot of championship-tainted conversation if Michigan wins because of the cheating. Like we already have people out there saying, oh, because of the, you know, the spy gate or whatever you want to call it with Connor Stallions. Like that's going to be a thing come next Tuesday, one week from today, if they win it all. Oh, that sure. conversation won't be as loud as Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL. I can promise you that. That I agree with. But then, <laughs> but then CC, the fallout will be, oh, is he running away from this? And you know what? $18 million a year later, he ain't going to care about that at that point, regardless of where he ends up it'll next be year. More, it'll be more than that. It'll be more than eighteen.
20 million a year. It would be 20 million. 20 million a year. He's going to, Connor Stallions could, he could break off a million for Connor Stallions. And Connor Stallions will be on staff or wherever you go. That would be the most amazing hire in the history of football. If he's like, you know what? This guy helped me. I'm bringing him with me to the NFL. That'd be unbelievable. Coming up. How does Jim Harbaugh's future affect multiple teams' quarterback status in the NFL? We'll get to that next. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is Unsportsmanlike. Unsportsmanlike. And I'm not saying the World Baseball Classic wasn't popping. We know it was. Yeah. Oh. Cool words, right? Popping yeah, cool words. How you going to use popping? You said that with your whole and party. I, and I got my Mr. <laughs> Rogers sweat. today. He's got that sweat on his popping, huh? It is popping. <laughs> In 2023, I said the World Baseball Classic was popping? That happened? That happened. That actually happened. That wasn't AI? That wasn't edited? What? That was said? Yeah. Oy. We are on Sportsman Like on ESPN Radio, <laughs> presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, in our brand new, beautiful, unsportsmanlike studios. Thank you to everyone who played a part in this. We are going to go through at some point when it's not the day after the national championship semifinals, maybe a tour. Of the new studios, when CC is back here, we'll go through a tour of everything. But we did learn one thing, CC, that we have a 26.2 uh, marathon medal here for a completion mm-hmm. of a marathon. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, per sources, none of us completed a marathon because I know that you and I did not. But Smalls claims to be a marathon runner who no, did not actually no. complete a marathon. See, see, here's the problem, though, Ev. I don't know why we have to let facts get in the way of a good story. If we have the medal up there, I mean, we don't have to do a deep dive. We can just all operate with the assumption that Smalls did it. I don't understand what the problem with that is. Thank you, CC, for the backup here. And now yeah. I feel like when I bring in my half marathon medal and my half marathon bib that it's going to be such a bummer. And look so inadequate next to the New York City Marathon bib that they have in there. 
Is this yeah. peer pressure? Are you guys trying to get me to run a full marathon? Because it's not going to happen. No, I'm, you can do whatever you want to do. I just then <laughs> if that's not yours, whose is that? I don't know. My wife ran the New York City Marathon. Question. I did not that's bring that in. <laughs> so is there somebody else joining the show that we're unaware of? <laughs> yeah, whose bib is that? Ladies and gentlemen, a marathon winner here today. Like I don't know. Rob, did you run a marathon or a social and digital guy? No. Okay. All right. Anyway, it's been a marathon of a season. <laughs> Uh, with the Chicago Bears this year. It's a great year. transition. Thank Outstanding. you. Thank you. Um, it was popping. Yeah. <laughs> like the World <laughs> Baseball Classic. So if you remember back to early October, Justin Fields has this amazing game against Washington on Thursday Night Football. CC comes in, or Monday Night Football, whatever. It was a weekday game. Um, CC comes in and he says, all right, you got your peak performance. Trade him. Right? Ever mm-hmm. since then, CC has been right a million times over on Justin Fields because he's been good. At no point did CC ever say that Justin Fields was not good. He said that you're going to potentially have the opportunity because the Carolina Panthers to find someone better, which would be Caleb Williams. Well, Justin Fields has proven he is going to be a starting quarterback somewhere next year. And now the day after this, the national championship semifinals here with Michigan beating Alabama and Washington beating Texas, Harbaugh's future is in big question. So how does this all tie together? I do wonder whether or not the Chicago Bears at any given point were told, you know what? Harbaugh's not interested, and that Harbaugh may have something else lined up because we see all the reports about Matt Eberflus coming back next year, and I wonder, guys, how that impacts the whole quarterback situation in the NFL. Is Justin Fields the guy for the Bears? Is he the guy somewhere else? Could he potentially impact anything with Harbaugh? How are we looking at what's going on with Justin Fields right now? Uh, I think Justin Fields has secured – the opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the National League in 2024, although he's not going to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I think that ship has sailed. Like It's been a great story. It's remarkable what they've been able to do, how they've been able to turn their season around. I mean, it's good for the Chicago Bears that they've won five of their last seven games. Congratulations to them. I think what they've done in the second half of the season goes a long ways in terms of Matt Eberflus being able to stay with the team other than Justin Fields. Because think about this. Since the halfway point in the regular season, Justin Fields, even though he's won four of the six starts that he's had, is 18th in total QBR. I'm sorry, that doesn't preclude the franchise from using the number one overall pick, which they secured by virtue of Carolina losing in week 17. They are not going to pass up on Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels with the number one overall pick for what Justin Fields is right now, especially knowing they have to make a decision on his fifth-year option in the spring of 2024. I'm sorry, even though this team has been able to find some success in the last two months, I don't think that that's enough to justify the opportunity cost of staying with Justin Fields and passing on yet another crop of talented quarterbacks. Yeah, if they didn't have that pick, we would be looking at the success that the Bears and Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus that they were able to have in the second half as remarkable. We would we would be saying the future looks bright in Chicago. If they continue to build around this guy another year in this system, who knows what he can be. But I just think that that pick is too enticing to pass up. Even the Justin Fields has shown enough progress in the second half of the season, as you guys have said, to secure a job as a starter. I just don't know if it's going to be in Chicago, even though 
just because they draft Caleb Williams doesn't mean that he's going to be the guy either. It's a very interesting conundrum that the Chicago Bears are in because Justin Fields is a talented quarterback. He's an electric player. He's obviously a powerful and dynamic runner. He's shown a lot of signs of success. He loves to be there. Matt Eberflus has done a good job in calming the seas and turning the, the page. Like Think about all the drama that was happening in Chicago earlier this season, and we're not talking about that. But I just think it's too intoxicating to look at somebody like Caleb Williams and pass up on him. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm convinced the Bears know they're not getting Harbaugh, which is part of the Eberflus could come back next year. But I agree that I don't think it's going to necessarily be with Fields. I think there's an argument that maybe they'll make the wrong decision. We'll see. Fields will definitely be a starter next year. We do know now that there are probably going to be two guys that are kind of open for business relative to their next team and will start, we assume, next year in the NFL. Justin Fields and Russell Wilson. If I gave you a, a roster, CC without a quarterback, and you had the choice of those two guys, which one are you taking? Oh, man, give me Justin Fields. <laughs> give me Justin Fields, man. I, I take Justin Fields. I, I'll believe in the promise of what Justin Fields has shown this year versus where Russell Wilson is at in his career because I don't think it's going to get any better for Russ. I think we're on the downside of it. If Sean Payton can't get the best football out of him, I don't, I don't know that it's going to happen. And, I mean, it's not for a lack of trying. For all of the things that have been put out in the ether about Sean Payton and Russell Wilson not being his guy, Sean Payton tried to come up with a formula where the two could coexist. Sean Payton wanted Russell Wilson to try to have success this year because it makes him look good, the fact that Nathaniel Hackett could be all-time awful and then Sean could turn in, come in and turn him around. And the fact that he wasn't able to do it and they're giving up on a guy that they've paid $142 million to between 2022 and 2023, I think that just goes to show you how Russell Wilson has, I guess, lost the confidence of not only the people in that franchise, but potentially people in NFL circles. Yeah, I don't know how you pass up on Justin Fields in that scenario. He's 24 years old with that athletic skill set. Why would you choose Russell Wilson, a 35-year-old quarterback, over Justin Fields, who has shown that he can be a starter in this league? I'm with CeCe. I would go with the promise of Justin Fields over what we know about Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, if it's a long-term answer like Atlanta, I totally get it. But, like, Russell Wilson was better than Justin Fields this year. Like, that's why you – if you're a team that you feel like is close – it's a low bar to clear. <laughs> okay, but, I mean, he was. Like, that's the thing. Like, Sean Payton did get a lot out of Russell Wilson yeah. this year. I think Russell Wilson proved he was a good teammate and he was coachable. And, and CeCe, is this, like, what they are doing with the threatening playing time versus the, um, the contract stuff, like, where they're not going to play him because of the contract? Like, the CBA and the NFLPA, they're looking into that. Is that stuff legal, what they've done, if all of this yeah, is Yeah, I mean, I, I know the NFLPA sent a memo to – the Denver Broncos early November saying that if you bench Russell Wilson because of this, then it's illegal. And, and it, there's, there, there's a whole lot of that floating out there. I, I, I think this is a simple decision for the Denver Broncos. They're making the same decision that the Las Vegas Raiders did last year with Derek Carr. Uh, like at some point you're going to realize the guy is not your future. You, you don't want to commit to him salary wise, any guaranteed dollars beyond what, what you already have to pay him. And so I think they were protecting their rights as a franchise. This notion that the Denver Broncos somehow did Russell Wilson wrong, I just don't get it. Again, they paid him $142 million over the last two years. How are they doing him wrong? It's a production business. Is Russell Wilson worth the $70 million they paid him in the first two years of that brand-new contract? No. So I'm going to guard against this dude getting hurt and potentially having to guarantee him more money, not just in 2024, but also $37 million in 2025. Why on God's green earth would I do that? 
So you're damn right. I'm going to sit his ass down because he's no longer a part of the franchise's future. Period. Coming up. We get back into the college football playoff Ridiculous. yesterday as Michigan right. and Washington. Wish somebody would do me wrong like that. <laughs> both win an undefeated national championship game with no SEC teams. We will get to that coming up. We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.